Welcome to Alumni Evolution, the official podcast of the Kentucky Wesleyan College Alumni Association. Join us each week as we interview incredible alumni and friends and follow the evolution of their lives. Hey, everybody. We are back for another edition of Alumni Evolution, the official podcast of Kentucky Wesleyan Alumni. I am Doug Hoyt. I have the privilege of serving as the host of this podcast. And today I have an outstanding guest with me, Mr. Jim Griffin. Jim, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's, a, it's an honor. It really is. So, Jim, if you don't care, let's start off by telling everybody a little bit about you. Okay. Uh, my name is Jim Griffin. I'm a 1986 graduate of Kentucky Wesleyan College. Uh, I live in Oldham County. That's where I went to high school. I moved around a lot as a kid, uh, but uh, that's where I graduated. Uh, I was privileged enough to get an athletic scholarship to c- come to Kentucky Wesleyan to play basketball. And it, it's uh, other than marrying my wife, it's the it's the best decision I, I ever made. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people say that same thing. You know, coming here was a good decision. You and I were classmates. Yes, sir. For a couple of years. Yep. Uh, we overlapped. I, I'm a little older than you are, but uh, that's okay. Uh, you you had a pretty prolific basketball career here. Yeah, I was I was very fortunate. So um, I, I was a really good high school player, and came to college and discovered I wasn't as good as I thought I was. <laughs> um, you know, every ta- every year the four years that I was here, we had multiple All Americans, and uh, it seemed like all those All Americans played the same position I did. So, you know, I was never I was never an All American. I was not a superstar here, but. Uh, the people of Westland and especially the city of Owensboro. And I will tell you, there's times in my life I wished I never left, uh, but they always treated me like I was an All-American. And um, I, again, I wouldn't trade my time here for, for anything. So what you're telling me is that you're not a professional basketball player now. I am not. Okay. No, I left that to some of the other guys. So Okay, well, that's, that's fair enough. Yeah. So when you were here, you studied what? Uh, criminal justice and law. Criminal justice and law, and I think you have a little bit of history working in that area. I do, yeah. Yeah, so, so tell us what happened when you left Westland. So after graduating, um, you know, our, our team got to go to Europe, so we all got to play there in England and France. Oh, that's pretty cool. It was amazing. So it was my first stint of kind of international travel, and that's carried on in my life. But... Um, after a short, a short stint of doing that, and then we came to, um, I'm trying to figure out work, I can become employed. Law school wasn't an option. I really didn't want to, trying to play a sport and go to school is just not an easy task. So I was finished for now for school. But there was an opportunity, the Kentucky State Police was hiring. That really wasn't my goal, but I thought that was could be a really good starting point. My father was an FBI agent, and I thought that's truly what I wanted to do too. So I applied for the Kentucky State Police. Um, 5,100 5, people or thereabouts applied for 65 spots. Oh, wow. So, but I knew I had a shot because they were looking for people that were college graduates. It was something they were trying okay. to push for. It wasn't a requirement. So myself, uh, Greg Cox, who played football here and actually retired as an FBI agent a couple years ago, and Terry Strong, who was our star quarterback here, we all applied, and we all got in. Oh, wow. And, and there is no doubt we got in because West Kentucky Wesleyan, I, I know that was important. So uh, I was with the state police and the DEA for 27 years, 
Um, 27 years. Got to do a well, lot of things. thank you for your service. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, got to do a lot of things. Um, got to see a lot of things that human beings probably shouldn't have to see and would want to see. But that comes with the territory. And um, in night, uh, 2012, I retired um, and thought it's time to relax a little bit. As you and your wife know, relax is not really in my DNA. (laughs) So I I literally lasted 23 days. Um, I had a honeydew list. I knocked it out pretty quick. And I was like, okay, what what am I going to do now? So I'd laid some groundwork prior to retirement of um, with lawyers that you know I saw all the time and uh, asked them. I said, do you all ever use private investigators? And they all told me, yeah, we do, but we we don't really have very many of them that are very good at it. So I kind of stored that away and uh, decided to give it a shot. So I actually worked a little bit to kind of test the waters with a family friend, a retired FBI agent that worked with my father. And uh, he finally told me, he says, look, you should, you should hang your own shingle too. You, well, I'd love for you to still work with me too, and I still do on occasion. But uh, I started Big Sky Solutions, uh, and the Big Sky name comes from uh, – we have family roots in Montana, and we have a yep. place there that my grandfather built. So um, that's my favorite place to go, my family's and my wife's, hence the name of the company. And since then, it started out as a one-man show, uh, and it's grown, and uh, we truly have more work than we can handle, but it's a, it's a blessing. So it's I'm very fortunate. It is a blessing. So I don't know if you are aware, but uh, uh, my wife and I, our son is also in law enforcement. He's uh, uh, with Owensboro Police Department uh, now for uh, about 18 years. That's great. And um, So you all know. I mean, you, you know and have an understanding and it's the fear. It's absolutely a yeah. different— It is perspective on life and uh, there, there are still those nights that uh, we go to bed and we'll hear a siren and we just wonder you just wonder um, and so I, I truly mean it when I say thank you for your service because it is um, it, 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 it it's in your core I mean it, 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 it truly I tell people all the time when you don't, and I don't know what it's like, but when you have to strap on a bulletproof vest and a gun to go to work, it's a whole different mindset. It is, but it's also something that, just like in each profession, that that's what you get used to and that's what you do. And after a while, you know, you don't really think about it. In the back of your mind, it's always there. And when you kiss your wife goodbye and you hug your kids and say, you know, it's time for to go to work. It's always there. It, Absolutely. It, is this the last time that's going to happen? And I, I was very fortunate. I was put in some tough spots. Uh, I will tell you, um, with our campaign hats that this Kentucky State Police are, are uh, known for, uh, you know, I'm 6'5", 245 pounds to begin with. I was fortunate. There's a lot of people that just didn't want to fool with me. And once I came yeah, out— Yeah, your presence. Yes, yeah. And I was always the nice guy, but— you know, when you have to not be the nice guy anymore. I was very well trained and, you know, that was, I was not really one most people wanted to tangle with, which was a, a blessing in itself. Because, Absolutely. So I was very fortunate with that. Absolutely. So, so state police, uh, Kentucky State Police, was it always on patrol? I spent about seven, a little over seven years as a uniformed trooper. 
during those seven years, I was always allowed to kind of do some things that was real investigative stuff, which is what I was really interested in. And um, I'd only been on two years, and I worked a major kidnapping case with a family and attempted murder. And my bosses knew that's what I wanted to do. So after seven and a half years, an opening came in, and um, I got promoted to detective. And um, my job basically most of the time was um, anybody that was dead, homicide, suicide, or we don't know what it is and we have to determine it. Right. And uh, the unfortunate side of when I became a detective, it was kind of the explosion of um, child sex abuse. And it wasn't that it was happening more or less during that time. It just, for some reason, it was the time when people were finally able to talk about it. And so um, I did a lot of that. So it was... um, it was, it was it was very difficult to, to do. Oh, with. I can only imagine. It was really tough. So there were times I spent more times with uh, social workers for the cabinet for families and children than I did with my own family because we had to work so much of it. So right. it, it was a tough time. The uh, the last homicide I worked, uh, actually a family that I knew, the entire family had been murdered or they attempted to murder them, and um, you know to spend to spend 14 hours in a house processing a crime scene where there's two little kids that have been just brutally murdered and try to be normal is, it's, it's hard. It's just not possible. And so, I, I mean, I still remember going home that night and I, the, a little boy that was killed was the same age as my son. And I just went home and got in bed, my bed with uh, my son about one in the morning and just cried for hours. Uh, so yeah, yeah. There's parts of the job. It's just it's not human. It's not fair. But you know somebody's got to do it. So next day you get up and you, you put your stuff on and you, you go back to work. But that was that was the last one. I couldn't do. I just physically couldn't do that work anymore. And then you said you worked with the DEA. I did. So um, when I switched from doing the job that I just described, um, I went to a branch of the state police that a lot of people don't know about. And it's called, it's split into two halves of the state, and it's uh, uh, Special Investigations Drug Enforcement uh, with the Kentucky State Police. So I was in the western part of the state, even though I ended up working in the eastern part of the state all the time, too. And I did public corruption and then and then switched over to, to the drug stuff. The, the, uh, we used to work with the DEA a lot, and so they liked the things that we're doing, and so they pulled me over to them. So I was really still with the state police, but... I was sworn in as a DEA agent. Um, they paid us extra to do that, which was good for the retirement system for me. Sure. Um, and so I did that for three and a half years prior to retiring. And uh, really interesting work. It's a different side of things. But again, you know, uh, again, that's one of the reasons I like coming to Owensboro and doing things. My, my entire career, you kind of have to deal with the, the bad side of society. So when you get opportunities to be around good people and do good things, you know, it's... Um, that's what life's about. So, uh, so you know, it's it's interesting. You talk about that, Jim, because uh, we've seen it. We have, of course, our son, and then we have other friends who are very close. They're in that profession, and um, they're often they don't see the good side of life. They're tainted, if you will. No, it's and, very, it's very difficult. And and I can see why that would be the case. And and so you know, it's it's great that you have something that you're able to come back to or 
a release for you. Sure. I got really involved with um, several different charities in the area that I live. One was with the YMCA, and we have a program with the Y that uh, you know they don't turn anybody away for financial reasons. And so I got really involved in fundraising, and it was mostly to help kids, but we got to help lots of people. And so um, early in my career, too, I was, they asked me to say, hey, would you want to be a D.A.R.E. instructor? And I was 24 years old, I think, and um, wasn't married, didn't have kids. And so I just thought it would be fun. I mean, I like people. I love kids. And so I spent one day a week on my day off um, teaching that curriculum in elementary schools. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah, and it's, so it it's it changed me. You know, I, I just really like okay, I really got to do something different, and it was helpful because again, you know, some of the stuff we were doing, although sometimes the job was fun, but a lot of times it was just you know I was one of the guys at the Carrollton bus crash. Oh yeah. Um, now that that it, I didn't know that about you. That's yeah. uh, I, I was in the aftermath, so I wasn't there when it was on fire, but. You know, it just took a long time to, so, you know, one particular day I, I assisted our chief medical examiners with autopsies and I sat through 27 autopsies in one day and 24 of them were kids. Um, so again, yeah, my, my view of the world at times is much, much different than a lot of others. So. Absolutely. So you, the big sky is uh, that that's intriguing to me. Tell me about that. Tell me more. So um, we do <clears throat> lots of different work for different people. And to say I've been blessed in this is a complete understatement. It's sometimes I just, I even talk to my wife about it and like, I don't really know how all this happened. So, but we, um, I, I thought about venturing into something really different that was outside of my comfort zone and trying to identify what those were. And I talk about it all the time in my toolbox. I have a set of tools that I'm really good at. Yep, and I think we all there's some other have things. that. There's some other things I admittedly I am not good at. <laughs> so I have people skills. I had lots of contacts with people being in law enforcement for 27 years at both state and federal and really kind of all over the United States with different things. So I started this from scratch and... Um, we now have clients all over Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio. Uh, we have clients in as far as New York, California. I have con some con uh, we do some work for pharmaceutical companies, which is mostly executive protection for their uh, upper management and owners and CEOs. And then um, here in the past year, to, and it's just through connections and. You work one case and someone you testify and a lawyer sees it and yeah, says, and they, hey, they learn about you. They learn and they say, hey, we liked what you did with this thing. And I'll be the first to admit sometimes I'm really lucky. You know, I find people that it's just I, I'm old fashioned. You know, I, I get out and knock on doors and I talk to people. And if they'll talk, I'll listen as long as necessary. But so we now have contracts with major manufacturers like Ford, Chrysler, Jeep. Dodge, and so we work with their products when they're involved in lawsuits, and we interview people. Um, the job is not as exciting as people think. I have people all the so time. It, it, so it's not like, uh, oh, my husband's cheating on me. Well, yeah. we do. I swore when I started <laughs> I mean, this. That's what you yeah. think of. Well, with when I started this, I swore I wasn't going to do that, but it got to the point that is a, it's a big market, 
And so to grow this business and to help then also hire other people to help you and do that stuff, there's a big call for that. So we do we do lots of surveillance for different things. It's some of us workers' compensation. Um, some of it's you know my husband or wife is cheating, and I will tell you that I have a philosophy of it's, I have a 24-hour thing. I explain what it entails. You know, it gets surveillance is very expensive, and I always tell them your money is much better suited to spend on your kids. You know, spend on your lawyer if you have to get a divorce. Yep. Because the outcome is always the same. I find out what you think is happening, is truly happening, and you pay me a whole bunch of money. Or we find out what you think is happening, is not happening, and you pay me a whole bunch of money. I have to sleep at night and look in the mirror. I'd much rather you spend your money someplace else. But And you have 24 hours. If you still want to go through with this, you call me and we'll do what we need to do. So. That's my philosophy with that section of business. It's worked well. But ironically, a lot of people call back and say, yep, uh, I want you to do this. Yeah, I want to know. And it's not that easy. It's not like it is on TV. (laughs) You know, if people stay in their house and play Nintendo all day and don't come out, it's a little tough to see what they're doing. But um, computers are great things. Cell phones are great things. You can obtain lots and lots of information. They leave a lot of footprints, don't they? They do. Yeah, they really do. So uh, my skills that I developed uh, with the state and federal governments um, for the past 12 years have served my family very well. And uh, again, I'm just very fortunate. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, you talked about some really interesting things and not to get into the details of the cases, but uh, uh, executive protection, you know, that that's interesting. Well, it is because I get to meet some really interesting people. Um, some I can't talk to you about, but you know, recently my next door neighbor is um, Bobby Hillrick, and his family's important in Louisville because his family are the founders of Hillrick and Bradsby, Louisville Slugger, the baseball bat, baseball company. bats. Uh, if you've never been, go, it's the tour is amazing, and I tell him that all the time. He takes it for granted, but when they have celebrities or VIPs come, we protect them, and so I've gotten to meet. We have. Uh, I'm probably not allowed to say it. Ricky Henderson's getting put in their Hall of Fame. So we'll be with Ricky Henderson in November. Um, I've been with Derek Jeter. That's cool. Yeah, Derek Jeter was not what I thought. I'm, I, I told him I wasn't a Yankee fan, and he was fine with it. I'm a Red Sox <laughs> fan. He says, I'm a Red Sox fan too. Uh, but he was just a complete gentleman and professional. And uh, I have a very cool memento that is actually the only one in the world. He had never seen his bat being made. And so they made up a ver- uh, his bat, but it doesn't have the logo on it. It still has the knobs on the end from the lays. And he carried it around the whole day as we did it. And at the end of the day, he gave it to me. Oh, neat. So that's in my office, and it's the only one in existence. So hey, You're one of a kind. Yeah, my kids want me to sell it and give the money to them, but I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to hang on to it. So, uh, but Yeah, but I've, been, you know, I've gotten to be parts of details with presidents of the United States, the Queen of England, um, Mitt Romney. Governors, um, yeah. So I, I just got to do a lot of cool stuff that you know everyday folks not in this line of business don't get to do. So, so let's switch gears a little bit. Sure. You have mentioned family. Let's talk about family. Um, it's the best ever. You know, my my parents and uh, my two younger brothers. So I have uh, my parents, Mike and Jolene Griffin. Uh, my dad was in the service. Met my mother in Seattle, Washington. 
I was born a year later. Uh, they moved to Montana, where my mother's from. My father was a teacher and a, a basketball coach, ironically. And um, at one point, ran into recruiter for the FBI, which is the job he always wanted. And uh, ultimately, he got that job. And I've lived out of boxes and suitcases my whole life as a kid. Yeah. We yeah. moved. My high school was my 10th school, Oldham County High School. We moved a lot. Um, it was difficult at the time, but it, it's made me who I am. I, I learned how to figure out people in the third grade. You know, I know the ones don't. A valuable skill. Yeah, it's, well, and it's helped me. It's definitely served me well now. Uh, my uh, parents were just hugely supportive of all of us. At one point, actually, my parents are whatever fame I have because of sports and stuff here. My parents are more famous. I can't. I, this morning at an event we were at, you know, I had six people say, oh, how's your mom and dad? Please tell them we said hi. So they were at every game for me. And my, young, my youngest brother, Tim, was a tremendous player here, scored over 1,000 points, won a national championship. My middle brother, Jeff, um, was an All-American in Transylvania, um, started two years at Moorhead State before that, played for the Kentucky All-Stars. Um, you know, we just got to do so much. So my immediate family was great. Um, currently, you know, I'm married to, to my wife, Deidre. Um, I have two sons that my youngest has turned 21 and the other one's soon to be 24. Um, and, you know, life's, life's a dream. I mean, I, I'd never in my life thought I would be in the spot that I am now. I just didn't think that was, was possible. It, it, it is amazing how life gives you all kinds of good things if you just pay attention. You do. You know, I've been knocked down several times. I, I went through a divorce um, 15 years ago, 16 years ago now. Um, that was, wasn't the best part of my life. That was tough. Got knocked down. You got to get back up. My kids were the focus always. They were the focus then. They're the focus now, even though they're not kids anymore. I, 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 they're I, always your yeah, kids. Yeah. I took uh, my parents and my wife and my kids to and their girlfriends to a Louisville Slugger game. That's what my son wanted to do for his 21st birthday. And I thought, this will be pretty cool. I'll, I'll be able to buy my son his first beer. And so, well, he had to let me know. I said, well... Dad, I've, this is the first beer you've ever bought me, and I appreciate it. But this isn't really my first beer, so you know. So it, yeah, but well, life, which you probably suspected. Well, anyway. no, I knew, and that, that was that was something too. Growing up, and you know, I live in Oldham County now, just outside Louisville, and my kids, good, bad, or otherwise, knew that they couldn't get away with anything, or at least that's what they thought, which was good because. Uh, I remember my son gets stopped one night leaving a friend's house, and he didn't come to a complete stop at a stop sign. And the, they just issued him a warning. I mean, they, they, I knew the police officer, too. But when I got home, he, my son says, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you because you're going to find out. Uh, you know, I got stopped by the police. And I said, okay, well, I appreciate you telling me. He goes, well, I got to know. So what, what do you need to know? Did you already know? Did he already call you? And I was like, um, you don't need to know that. So yeah. <laughs> let them know the big brother is always watching. So they've been able to stay out of trouble for the most part, and that's been good. So Yeah, it it, it is kind of neat to have that inside track, if you will. Built-in security system everywhere. Absolutely. Yes, sir. It's, it's pretty neat. But So uh, what are your kids doing? My youngest son is working for his uncle in Lexington and honestly still trying to figure it out. I think at one point... He thought I was disappointed that 
he readily admitted, said, Dad, I don't want to waste your money. I'm not ready for college. So that's fine. So go to work. You know? Yeah. Find something you got a passion for. Do something. And he's still working towards that, which, you know, I'm proud of him. I mean, he doesn't a lot of kids go to school and flunk out and mess around and at least he was smart enough to know that. My uh, oldest son's a graduate of uh, Western Kentucky University. I think he had an interest in Wesleyan. We just didn't have what he had the passion for. And he wants to be a filmmaker. Oh, that's cool. So, um, and he's already had some success. This writer's strike and the shutdown of everything has caused some anguish for him. But he's won multiple uh, best pictures at uh, different venues. For Louisville, he's won. He's won in Nashville. He's won in Bowling Green for different film awards uh, through societies there. And um, ironically, he filmed one in the Dakotas uh, last summer. And Jay Ivey, a Wesleyan grad and basketball legend here in Owensboro, um, was the first person to step up. Hey, I want to help. He let him stay at his house. They had a cookout at his wife's family farm for the whole crew. Um, So, yeah, it's... uh, Westland's everywhere. I find it all the time. You know, that's interesting you say that because that's I talk about that often. Wesleyan is everywhere, and I do have an opportunity to talk to students uh, on a pretty regular basis, and I tell them. In fact, uh, a week ago, I talked with the senior group here and and told them, pay attention, find graduates, find the alum, because they're going to be willing to help you. They and then you pay it forward after that, but they're everywhere. You I know? Went, an example of that: I went to the um, this year on part of the summer tour that your group helps put together, and uh, at the Cincinnati Reds, and four seats down from me, um, I just started talking with this older gentleman that was there. I think he's a graduate. It, it was the early '60s, um, but he's an attorney. And I actually met him through summer because he was having a problem. All the tickets were electronic download. Well, he had a flip phone. Oh. He said, well, you know, I can't really do that. So we were just talking back and forth. And um, we're we're now going to do some work with his he and his firm. I was in Ireland with my wife. I I wear Wesleyan stuff all the time. Right. And it drives my wife insane. (laughs) And so she says, you just wear that stuff to talk to people. I was like... There's some truth to that, but it starts a conversation. It does. And um, I've I actually have had two students that I met their parents and just started talking about Wesleyan because I had a shirt on or a hat on. But I met a guy from the class of 60 in Ireland because I had a Wesleyan shirt on. He goes, is that Kentucky Wesleyan? It was just the W. It's like, yeah, it is. How do you know that? And he goes, I graduated in 1960. And I'm in Ireland. Yeah, and, and it's amazing, that, and that's the point. They're they're everywhere. Wesleyan graduates are everywhere, and all you have to do is have your eyes open and look. Yep. And and, I, and do little <clears throat> things like wear a hat or a shirt or something that has it on it. I tell all I'm on the board of trustees, which is another very fortunate thing for me. But um, I tell them all the time. I said be, they're all very proud anyway, but a lot of them are very big business people and people that honestly are very, very important. Um, and so, and their common dress, maybe that's not what they were, but I encourage them. I said, you know, when you're on a plane, you don't have to work when you get there. Wear something Wesleyan. And, and so I, I think I'm rubbing off on some. Others, I think, get tired of hearing, <laughs> hearing from me, but I'm not, I'm not going to stop, you know. And I keep telling my wife, I got her a Wesleyan shirt this time, which I think she's going to wear because it's a cool one. 
um, even though she's an EKU grad. But it's um, yeah, I'm 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 proud of where I come from. I'm proud of. I mean, I, again, I would I'd pay a million dollars if I had a million dollars to come back and go to school. You know, it's it is amazing, and you've probably heard me say I say it all the time. You know, Wesleyan has become part of my DNA. Absolutely. And I think that's the case with most everybody that passes through these doors, you know, yeah. if, if you let it. You that's know, true. It, that's it's like drinking true. the Kool-Aid. Yep, it is. You know, you, you absolutely do. Now, uh, Jim, let me switch gears again. Okay. You mentioned you were uh, a member of the trustees. I am. So let's talk about that just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> it, it was a weird introduction to it. So, you know, one of my best friends in the world, and he's – uh, he's a griffin, to be honest, because that's how I think of him, is, is Bart Darrell. So I met Bart when we were in college at the same time. He's a little bit older. Um, he was on the board just before he became president of the college. And he calls me and says, hey, um, just hear me out. And so I'm already not – don't want to hear him out. A little I, skeptical yeah, when little, Bart calls yeah. you and says, hear me out. But I understand. Being the great attorney that he is, <laughs> and he's I don't know that he's ever lost a case, really, but he says um, – would you consider being on the board of trustees? And I just started laughing. I was like, "Why? Why do you want me on the board of trustees? I don't. I don't have any money. I was working for the government. I definitely didn't have any. Yeah, money. you're not working to get rich. Um, you know, I don't have a PhD. I don't have. I, I don't. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what I bring to the table other than I just work hard. He goes, "That's why I want you." He says, "You know, lots of people." We've never had a former student athlete on the board, and I think you would bring a perspective that maybe we don't have. And so I said, "Well, I mean, can I can I think about it? I mean, that's one. I don't I don't go halfway with anything. So, and I don't know how to do it that way. So, I, anyway, I thought about it and I called him back and I said, you know, as long as this is something I can afford to do, um, and I don't want to let you or anybody else down." Uh, I'll give it a shot. And what I think I'm close to 15, 15 years later. The rest is history, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, with the the business that I have now, I I do have better financial resources to to give back more. And um, that's another thing my wife doesn't completely understand, but she knows I love it. And so she just smiles and says, you do you. And so, you know, again, I I owe three things. Uh, to any success I've had in life, and that's God, my parents, and here. Enough said. Yeah, enough said. And it's difficult. Yeah. Uh, it's difficult to explain that to some folks. Um, you know, I'm fortunate that uh, you know I have. When I graduated, I've only lived away from Owensboro for a year when I was doing my graduate work. Um, came back and and met Brenda at my first professional job and. Of course, the rest is history, as they say. You know, yeah. we, and I know you already know this, but I've told you a whole time. I've told you almost every time I see you, you so outcooked your, outkicked your coverage oh, with Brenda. Jim, so. please, you yeah. don't have to ever, Home run. ever. Oh my gosh, Home run, you my know, friend. I mean, uh, you know, I am so grateful for yeah. for Brenda and and what my life has has brought me. Yeah. And and circling back, it's because of Westland. You know it. Had I not, and we've talked about that. She sure. and I have talked about that many times. Had I not made the decision to uh, to to go to college, accept the opportunity to go to college, nearly six hundred miles away from where I grew up, 
what would that what what would have happened? It's fun to and, think about, isn't it? Oh, but it's scary it, at the same time. Well, it, it's very scary to think about because I can't imagine not having the life I have. You know, it's it's such a great life, and um, it, you know, so it, it's it, it's really interesting, and and um, so you know, we're we're very grateful for what we have, and we're very fortunate, and and uh, in the early days. Um, you know, I, I mentioned uh, to some that, you know, when I left Wesleyan, and I don't think I'm very, I don't think I'm abnormal in this regard. When I left Wesleyan, um, it, 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 I strayed, you know, even though I was in Owensboro, it's not, you don't necessarily have that. It, the memories are great, but you start your career, you start your family, and you have a lot of things that are in your life. And uh, you can't afford to give back to your college, and so you kind of stray a little bit. And it wasn't until a little bit later that it was like, oh, well, okay, look, now we can afford to give a little sure. bit back, and we can uh, – uh, giving time, that counts too. It's okay. Well, and that's the conversation I had with Bart. I said, I can give you some time, but the treasure part, you know, uh, I don't have that. The, it so, may come, yeah, yeah. but it's not here now. Right. Uh, and you know, you you mentioned your wife and her saying, "Huh, well, you do you." You know, it it was that way for a long time. And um, I, I honestly, I it, Brenda is not a, a graduate of Wesleyan, but can I, I can I hold you for that? I, I always thought you were. Oh my God, see, well, you are now. So you you, mean, you know you are that. So. I think everybody's always kind of assumed that, but she looks so much younger than you. We just didn't go to school with her, so we didn't know. So yeah, well, I, I, thank you. My that, wife, my wife looks well. She is younger, but she looks way younger than I do. So no, and and so you know, but it, it, it's it, Wesleyan is is part of her now too, and it's in her blood, yeah. and and it's you know it, it so it's it's infectious. It absolutely you know? is. It just really is. It and, absolutely is, and that's part um, of the thing that maybe Bart saw in me that I didn't really maybe see in myself is uh, I'm, I'm not necessarily a rah-rah guy, but I kind of am. You know, I always talk about, um, you know, I'm a team guy. I don't play golf. I didn't, you know, I don't do any of those sports. Nothing. There's anything wrong with that. I'm a team and I perform better in a team. When I was with the state police, I was in a team. If I was right. in an entry team smashing doors down with the DEA, I'm with a team, and you have to rely on that person next to you, in front to of you, behind you. To your left and to your right, in and front so, and back. That's I mean, right. It was like that when I it was in sports. It's like that now with the board of trustees. It's like that with my family. And that's the comfort zone that I have. If I was out by myself all the time, I'm probably not a very effective person. So I, I think it's always important, I really do, to to give back. And that's something that that I and we have tried to do. And you give back in ways that you can, that you're capable. You know, everybody has skills and talents and, and abilities, and that's how you should give back. You, you mentioned kids a while ago and, and working with kids. In our younger, day, younger days, of course, we didn't have a lot of money to give back. We had time, and we chose uh, nonprofits that impacted children. We because have that in common. That was me too. We believe very strongly. I do, and and Brenda and I do, that it's not the children's fault. They they didn't have a choice where they are. You know, somebody put them in that situation, and so we gave our time to 
to help them and to do the things that would maybe better their life a little bit. And then, you know, hopefully the treasure comes along as you get older. You know, that's the idea, right? Well, and I will tell you, too, that, you know, we've known each other for a long time. In your present job, I was so proud of you that, one, you deserved it and you got it. But, um, you know, our basketball program here, and it was because of Mike Polio and his his major and the the stuff that he taught was special education and disabilities. And um, we spent a lot of time with kids from Wendell Foster and adults. And um, honestly, my freshman year, I I really felt guilty. I had a hard time with it because I was, you know, you're so blessed. And then you're working with people that don't have necessarily those blessings and that have disadvantages. But then by the time my senior year, I, I was all in. I did Special Olympic stuff. We went to the Wendell Foster Center all the time. Those kids were at our games, every home game. You know, and I still remember a, a young girl that's hopefully still around named Mary. And, I mean, I'd hug her at every game, and it was – I mean, I still I still remember her name. I don't remember anybody's name. Um, yeah, so um, kudos to you, too. What a great Well, place. Jim, thank you for bringing up Wendell Foster. It is a, a true passion of mine. It's and amazing. I've, I've had the opportunity – so I retired from my previous career for one week – and then went to work for Wendell Foster and uh, have been there now for a little over three years. And uh, it is truly the most amazing thing that I have done in my life. Uh, it, it's, uh, I learned so much. And what, we, it, what you said is, is really interesting about people with disabilities, the people that I work with and have the pleasure and opportunity to work with. Um, you know, I, I went into that job thinking – I'm going to be able to do so much for them. And after a short period of time, and now after three years, it's really more what they're doing for me. Because candidly, they don't see themselves with a disability. That's what I learned from Mary. Absolutely. She never, she would never talk about a bad day. She never complained. No. She just always wanted to say hi and make you smile. I, and, so, and that's it. Yep. Right, and so if you pay attention, you can learn so much. Yep. So it's it's really I appreciate you bringing it up. I love talking about Wendell Foster, although I don't uh, uh, on this podcast because yeah. we're we're talking about Westland, well, right? Wendell Foster, that's the plug for you. <laughs> L- love all you guys. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take it. Good. I'll uh, absolutely it's a, it's take it. It's a great it. place. Absolutely. Um, so uh, I, I want to. We're we're nearing the end of our time, and uh, I'm so thankful that you agreed to come on and and talk with me for a little bit. But I always like to end with something that maybe seems like it's out of left field. So I'm going to tell you what it is, give you a chance to think about it, and then I'm going to tell you why I'm asking. So the question is, tell me about your favorite vacation. Now, that seems out of left field, but I, I just told you that Brendan and I are getting older, and as we think about getting older and maybe slowing down, retiring, we love to travel, and we're thinking about where do we want to go. So selfishly, I'm looking for travel okay. ideas. Well, first let me tell you, anytime you want information with that, you call, and I'll put you in contact with my wife, Deidre. She's amazing as you tra- she. She plans everything for us and her friends and all these Duly people. Duly noted. No, I'm, I'm dead serious. <laughs> She's amazing. And, and we've 
we and she before me, uh, she's been everywhere. So I've been so blessed, and I actually learned it from her um, about it's not about things, it's about memories. So, you know, we don't... We don't have a huge fancy. We have a very nice house, but it's, we don't live fancy. That's not our. Th- and I kind of did, even though I couldn't afford it, which is a whole nother story. Um, so I've been fortunate. We've been all over the place. Uh, you know, I've been to Iceland. I've been to Ireland. I've been to Hawaii. I'm getting ready to go back to Hawaii, and we travel on the cheap. So please, again, I'm not a rich guy. Um, but my favorite place in the world to go, and I've been a lot of places, is. Um, our family's cabin in, in Montana. So people that have watched the show Yellowstone with Kevin Costner. That, One of our favorites. Well, let me. we can have lots of chats afterwards because I've met some of those people. That fictitious ranch is actually in Darby, Montana, 15 minutes from where our place is, and it's Chief Joseph Ranch. It's an actual working ranch. That house that they film in is that that's the house. Well, it's, there's several houses on that ranch, but that's the main house. Um, my grandfather built this place in 19, started in 48, finished in 49, paid a dollar a log, and he did it. He built it himself with some help of a couple friends. And uh, an addition was put on in the 70s. Um, I just put a new roof and a big deck on the back of it that had to be replaced. But other than that, it looks just like it did when I was a little kid, oh, like five wow. years old. Um, and it's the pictures that you see in the Yellowstone show or you see stuff on National Geographic. That's that's what it looks like. And um, it's just a special, special place. I was just fortunate. We just got back two weeks ago and I spent 12 days there. And one of, one of the things, we don't have internet on, pur- on purpose. We could have it. We don't have cable TV on purpose. My wife's phone does not work at all. <laughs> Mine does a little bit. Uh, I can get texts in certain places. I have to stand in a corner of the deck or in the driveway. Anyway, that's my place. Uh, we hike. We don't hunt. Um, we take f- photographs. I spent an hour and a half with about an 1,800-pound male moose just watching it. Uh, we can uh, – it's just – I mean, I'll show you pictures. It's, oh, wow. It's an amazing. And, you know, people talk about, oh, I need to go to Italy. I'm sure Italy's great. It's on my my list. But there are so many places in our great country that will literally take your breath away. You just got to kind of go look. I have to agree with you. Just kind of got to go look. So um, I guess outside of that, I went to Maui for the first time last year before the fires had occurred. Yep. Um, we were there during humpback uh, whale mating and birthing season, and they were they were everywhere. It was like dogs running around in some place. There, there, it was... It, wow. was, it was something special. It was all. It was almost. Uh, it was surreal. It's like, is that? Am I? Is this a dream or is yeah. that really happening? Yeah. So, um, so if you, for those that are able to do that, um, I would say go to Montana. Don't move there because we don't want all those people there. <laughs> They're moving in at a rapid rate from from California and stuff. And you'll see signs for houses for sale, and it'll say no Californians on it. They won't sell to California. Really? So, which I don't know if that's the right thing to do, but well, uh, there's only about 1.3 million people in this t- entire state of Montana, and you could probably fit three Kentuckys in Montana. So big sky for a reason. You can watch the Milky Way. We watch satellites fly over our cabin at night. You can see them with the naked eye. 
Oh, wow. It's amazing. It's just a beautiful, beautiful place. Oh, that sounds fantastic. So I challenge you to get to the Northwest. I, that is on our list. We have not uh, traveled to the Northwest. Glacier National Park, the Tetons, Yellowstone National uh, Park, is they're undescribable. Well, thank you very much, Jim. And Thanks for having me. It's, it's been, I, I really honor. appreciate you coming on and, and sharing a little bit about you, uh, sharing a little bit about your experience with Kentucky Wesleyan. Um, I'm really thrilled that uh, we're doing this podcast. I know there's a number of people that just want to hear. They want to connect. Sure. So thank you for giving a little bit of your time. Um, And with that, we will call this one a wrap. And until next time, have a good day. This has been another episode of Alumni Evolution the official podcast of the KWC Alumni Association hosted by Doug Hoyt, class of 1984. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow the Alumni Association on social media at KWC Alumni. See you next time, Panthers.